You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like almost you want the culture where you want these people who are trained are the best, the best that anyone that, that they can come up against. They'll be able to hold their own against. But the culture that you and I certainly had in our militias growing up was the culture was: you want to go to war, you want to fight. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. Uh, we've got a very special guest today, uh, Drain Jones author, writer, and host of Veteran State of Mind podcast, also struggling after several days in Las Vegas. How's it going, buddy? Yeah. Mate, I very much appreciate you putting that on the, on the back end <laughs> of that. Um, I want to put, throw it out to anyone out there that reads my work or ever wants to come to me for work. Um, do not come to Vegas for work. Purely, mm. uh, purely pleasure. Yeah. Um, no, it's been great, man, catching up with a lot of the old guys. Um, we had a movie come out on Wednesday, uh, like a limited release up in Hollywood. Uh, it's the first time I've ever done anything like that. Um, Nate Boyer, you know, the former Green Beret, NFL, oldest ever rookie in the NFL. Um, so to see that kind of come to life after five years of work was like really cool, really surreal. And uh, honestly, I don't think I've actually kind of had the time to wrap my head fully around that whole experience yet. What's the, uh, what's the name of the movie and what's it about? So it's called MVP, which mm. if you search MVP, uh, you will get a movie called Most Valuable Primate, which I haven't watched, so I can't really vouch an opinion you know, on it. It's about a, a primate playing um, ice hockey, which is probably quite a true story, given, given the behavior of most of those dudes. Um, but yeah, Nate runs this uh, charity called uh, Merger Vets and Players mm. because as you know yourself, there's a lot of guests and stuff you have on talk about. It's not PTSD. Well, I'm not going to say it's not PTSD when people come out. It's not. But everything that people always go to with veterans struggling is, oh, it must be PTSD. And with veterans, uh, sorry, with athletes, it's, um, oh, it must be C uh, CTE, you know. Whereas the reality for both of, both of us kind of groups is we've probably grown up wanting something it's been one of the most intense experiences of our lives. So much of our identity, our purpose, that's all wrapped up in, in the uniform, you know, as we see it. And then when that, when that comes away, for most people, I mean, like what, average pro career, pro career in the pros, three, three years? Uh, for the NFL, yeah. yeah, I think it's three years. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you get lucky, you get, you get three years. Like, um, and for them as well, I mean, that makes so much financial difference for, for most of those guys because um, they've come from a lot of these guys who come from nothing, then come into money. That's a problem in the same way that soldiers don't get really taught how to manage their lives for the future while they're serving. And mm. obviously, there's a lot of per there's personal responsibility there too, don't get me wrong. But we just kind of figure that, like, well, what's one of the things that we both have in common, both groups? Um, and it's working out. It's getting after it, and especially in, in groups. So Jay Glazer, um, you know, you see Fox correspondent, being on Ballers, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He has this gym um, that he opens up for veterans on like a Wednesday afternoon, and you'll get veterans will come. Veterans will come down, but you also get people like Wiz Khalifa stopping, mm -hmm. Chris Bart stopping, um, and these guys get to train with each other, and then they. <clears throat> 
excuse me, there might be a bit of bumping going on here. I stated earlier, we're out of Vegas, so I do apologize. Um, the, you know, the, the great things you train together, and then at the end, sit around on the mats, uh, kind of like a smoke pit style. Mm. And you can bullshit if you've got something on your mind, you know, you can get it out there. Um, if you just want to, just some nights there, it's all just fun. Other nights, someone might have been going through a really difficult time and they don't know who to talk to. Mm. But because they've got these people that they look up to so much, that that kind of like that, you know, if you get your hero sitting next to you, all of a sudden saying like, no, it's okay. Or even more to the point, like in the film we had uh, Tony Gonzalez, you mm. know, Hall of Fame, tight end. And I, I, I'd heard him giving an interview on a podcast and I basically stole all the lyrics from his, uh, you know, from that real speech. We put it into the movie, showed him the movie, and he, he agreed to be in it. So we had people like him in, people like Randy Goodshaw, the UFC uh, heavyweight champ. And uh, the NFL got on board with it. Um, they, they were great. They gave us sets to film on. Um, you know, I think Jay Glazer said that he, did, he came home one day and Jay would... <laughs> Uh, Nate had let himself in and was just turned Jay's house into a set and stuff. So it got done on, dude. The budget for it was like in the movie world, not even not even chump change. You know, you wouldn't even bend over to pick it up off a sidewalk. Um, but by calling a lot of favors and a lot of people um, agreeing to take, you know, for either for nothing or points on the back end, we got it done. There's veterans in front of the camera. There's veterans behind the camera. I wrote it with Nate. Nate directed it. Um, and I think we were able to do something like something really cool. Um, and I, dude, it's, it's very, you've, you've put on events and things, mm. right? It's kind of an odd feeling running up to it. Like I, I felt far more nervous in the run up to that than I ever did um, in any kind of combat situation. Sure. And, and it, 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 it's that, it's, it's one thing to get blown up and never know about it again, mm. but it's this thing of, Jesus Christ, if this, if this sucks and I have to sit here, and just basically see what you put your passion into, be mm. torn apart for a few hours. But it seemed to go down well, man. So, and you guys um, just did the first screening this week in Vegas. Uh, screening was in, um, so there was thirty four cities spread mm. across the uh, U.S. and um, L.A. was the kind of like the premiere. So it was a few hundred people in. Um, uh, in LA, and then there were smaller screenings, you know, across the country. Um, and I, I'm not really the kind of the brains of the operation, definitely not. But I think the idea off the back of this is it got more exposure, and then once you know we get if we get enough exposure, hopefully we get it onto some kind of streaming platform. Sure. Um, because I mean, honestly, bro, it's not a really like a massively commercially viable film because we don't. All, not all of our veterans are unhappy. Mm. You know, they're not all, you know, they, they, they don't all hate their lives. And I feel with these things, you have to go, Hollywood wants you to go one way or another on something. Sure. They want the veterans to go crazy and start being the vigilante who starts like, you know, can't take it anymore or yeah. can't take it anymore and kills himself. Yeah, Hollywood so, always wants uh, tropes, you know. Uh, it's nuanced narratives don't really sell for them at least. I mean, I think people like that kind of stuff, but I don't Hollywood doesn't like to put money into that kind of stuff. Right. That's weird. And then every time something does really well and wins loads of awards, you're like, oh, this movie was so different. Yeah. Well, yeah that's why. <laughs> but then, but then like try well, try getting that past the next one, but we got it made dude. So that was a big achievement. And I, I give massive credit, uh, credit to Nate, um, for just making it happen because I think, there's obstacles for, in the way of any challenge, but especially on this one, dude. It, you know, he shot it during COVID and stuff as mm. well. He was very clever. Um, you know, the roads were quiet, so fuck it. Let's just not ask for mm. permission. Let's just go and set up on the roads and start filming. Um, and it, and it, it was cool, dude. Like we had uh, so the the battalion. Um, oh gosh, shit! I always forget this. I think t the battalion was two seven, I believe, and um, they've lost more Marines to suicide than they lost on deployment. And we're not talking like, you know, one to two here, but, um, you know, the amount of numbers is, is absolutely staggering. I think they've, they've lost something like uh, f over 50 guys now to suicide. Mm. 
which is just, you know, it's just, it's insane. There's no other way of thinking. Yeah, that's fucked. I mean, I I just got, it's been, you know, the DOD here in the United States stopped reporting the suicide numbers. Um, Right. Like the military is not reporting it at all now because it's so high, which is not really a solution. You know, like you, you you say that not every veteran is, uh, is, I guess, damaged or whatever, however, you know, society in Hollywood wants to portray it. But I think it's this kind of thing, this, uh, this film and then, you know, MVP in general, the organization that Jay and Nate run, um, I think is also important because if you're, there, there are quite a few people that need, uh, help from the brotherhood and, uh, if you're one of the people who don't need help, that means you should be one of the people providing help for everybody else. You know what I mean? So I, I think it is pretty ubiquitous. Just maybe not for Hollywood, but who gives a fuck what they think, you know? And I've heard you say this, I think, before. It's like, maybe it's with Andy, is the kind of the dirty little secret to helping people is that, like, it's really beneficial to you too, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't make that up. Gandhi said uh, that if you truly want to find yourself, lose yourself in the ser- service of others. And I... I I think that that's that's wisdom that extends way prior to him as well. But it's it's also very obvious. You know what I mean? Uh, to me, at least. And it it dovetails into the uh, first principle that you chose to talk about today, which is I'll do something every day to help my country, my countrymen, or all men. Um, and I guess the the critical question here is am I my brother's keeper, right? And it's the age-old question. It's the very first question asked in the Judeo-Christian, in the Abrahamic religions, all three Abrahamic religions, um, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that is unequivocally yes. I mean, there's some, there's certainly some balance between empathy and accountability, but, you know, uh, there, there is a thing, there is such a thing as toxic empathy, right? Like we're mm-hmm. enabling and all the stupid shit that's going on in society now where we're telling people to lop body parts off because they have emotional distress or that it's okay to be morbidly obese and shit like that. Um, but it's also true that people need help frequently. Like everybody does. That's why we form societies in the fucking first place is because everybody needs this this structure in their life. Like the whole purpose of life is to find your purpose and execute on that, right? Think of it as uh, a bullet. Think of it as uh, a a projectile inside of a casing. Uh, You can use, you know, a a pointed edge and a hammer to set that thing off and fire the bullet off. But, you know, if you've got a, a short, if you've got a little barrel then you can kind of guide it. And if you've got a longer barrel, you can guide it better. And if you've got a, a, a barrel that has uh, uh, rifling in it, then you can fire it longer and more accurately. You know what I mean? So all these things are a metaphor for the structure that society provides for us to be able to be as on target and effective with our purpose as humanly possible. And the only way any of that happens is if we have stable societies that are you know, somewhere in that Goldilocks zone, providing support without being oppressive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's why the yeah. founders of the U.S. Constitution wrote it the way they did, which is a combination of federalism and republicanism. You know, it's a republic where we do have representative democracy f- to some extent, but it is a republic. And it's also a, federa- a confederation of states where, you know, in the beginning we... we we allotted certain responsibilities for the federal government and sent everything back to the state so people could govern themselves at the lowest possible level. Obviously, that's not what we do now. But mm-hmm. all this is set up because for human beings to thrive, we need that long barrel and rifling, you know what I mean, to, to have very precise and efficient purpose in our lives. And that's what makes people feel fulfilled as well. So it's not just about everything going well it's about you internally going well as well and i think that's a really important thing for people to seek that out you know you seek out people who think like you do 
so you can build societies around shared values, right? But none of that, that, that's all a fairy tale unless you're willing to step in the gap, you know, stand in the breach between danger and people who can't protect themselves and help people. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, I think you, that's a really great way of putting it because I think a lot of times the purpose could almost be feel like more of a shotgun, right? Mm. You see something that you think is a worthy cause. Um, and, I mean, let's take... Let's just, there's always... like I, I agree with you on this. Uh, that to every cause, whether you end up agreeing with the methods or not, there's usually a decent justification. Mm. So I didn't agree with everything that Black Lives Matter, the organization did, but I agree with the cause, right? Oh, sorry, the, you know, the, the reasoning behind that, you know? But the reaction to that across the country was a shotgun reaction like this, like, oh, here's some purpose, fucking bang, without thinking of, well, okay, where is the, how are we going to make this, how are we going to make this accurate and so that it not, doesn't just hit a target now. This is going to hit a target over years and, and years and years and years. Um, so I, th- I think that's a really good way of thinking of purpose, mate. The other is, of course, I think it, purpose, I, I think there's certain parts of it which are just universal. And, you know, I think some things, there's certain things that I just think make almost everybody feel like they have a sense of purpose. Um, and a lot of that is the reason so many people have um, if families, you know, it's the reason so many people join sports teams, or, mm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then there's individual purpose, you know, because th- those are maybe the places that we can, you know, like if you and I went to the beach every day and collected trash, we'd be making an important difference. Mm. But would that be the best use of what, you know, Dan and Gez are, are doing here on yeah. the planet to do? Not, and, and, uh, I, th- I, th- I think the trash test me is a, like a really important um, that that to me is like to do your reps for building purpose and mm-hmm. you know that to me is the easiest one Rep, uh, picking up trash mm-hmm. shopping carts those saying hello and like it can be it's easy when you're in a good mood when I was going to the airport the other day and I was in a good mood it was very easy for me to say hello to everybody and it was very easy for me to to, uh, to talk to people um and you know you never know what you're going to get back to like i've had a flight in the past where i was just my phone and everything and stuff had died uh it was, a, it was like southwest flights with otv so i was like fuck start talking to this lady next mm-hmm. to me <clears throat> next thing you know she burst into tears long story short i was the first person that she talked to since she got the call that her husband had died mm. um and me and my friend wakes up next to me and me and her are hugging, she's crying, sobbing, and it was just, it was just nuts, dude. Like, I'll always remember that person. I'm sure she'll remember me. And, you know, that just came from the fact that my phone died, you know? But that exact, exact same person was sitting there, that exact same opportunity to do something for that other person was there. It's just, I was like, I was doing that instead. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's I think there's so many like small little things that we can um, that we can look for and win on a daily basis. And I don't think everybody has to be doing massive things of service either. I think if you just contribute even on a small part every day, you know, it's like if everybody made that little difference every day, the decompounding changing would be, you know, out of this world. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, that's that's what I encourage people to do first is. You, and you alluded to it. It's those small building block things that, you know, it, it's no different than starting off in the gym with low weight to make sure that your form is correct. You know what I mean? We do this in everything we do. We learn how to uh, crawl before we learn how to walk, before we learn how to run. And my advice to people is the the best thing they can do to get themselves in this mindset is to be on the lookout for people who need help and be on the lookout for positive things that you can do. Picking up trash is one of them, holding doors for people. Those are very obvious things. But I think, like in your case, <clears throat> if you're open to it, people begin to notice. Like there, there's a certain um, there's a certain presence about you. And I actually had this happen not too long ago with somebody um, who just could tell that it was okay to talk to me about shit, even though I look 
like, you know, I stormed the fucking Capitol. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and this was not a person who looked like me or thought like me or any of that shit. They just could tell that they were able to talk to me for some reason. I, the, the vast majority of communication, like 85 plus percent is nonverbal, right? Uh, and that's mm-hmm. not just true. Uh, I mean, it, it's a function of, you know, evolution. We, we started without language, you know, a long, long time ago, millions and millions of years ago. And, um, you know, your brain is a very, it's a very complicated machine that essentially distinguishes between threats and benefits, but all these little markers like facial expressions, body, uh, uh, posture and things like that pre-fight indicators, which is something that we use, you know, in the military to tell somebody's getting ready to do something stupid. Um, you can, if you exude that mentality, like you're being on the lookout for somebody to help. People are going to find you. People that need help will find you. You know what I mean? They'll seek you out because they can tell. It reminds me of that. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Mr. Rogers, but um, he was a dude on public television, like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood with all the puppets and all that bullshit. Um, he, he said in an interview one time, his mother told him, um, whenever there's danger or something to look for the helpers, you'll always find people who are helping. And I think that mentality is why most of us join the military in the first place. Um, because, you know, you see something that you can do that most people can't do and you feel compelled to do it because it, you know, it assures the safety of those around you. And, and typically we reduce that to the lowest possible level, which is our family. Like people, if you ask people why they join the military, a, a large portion of them will say to protect my family. Well, what do you mean by that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but think about that statement. You always find people who are helping. It's a, it's a profound statement. It assumes that the majority of people are essentially good, which is true, because if the majority of people weren't good, uh, this whole planet would be chaos 24 oh, hours yeah. a day. You know what I mean? It's just not true that most people are bad. All right, we got a couple of ads here. First and foremost, of course, as always, BlackRifleCoffee.com. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company, as you know, is a veteran-operated company that supports America's military law enforcement and first responders. You're going to get 20% off your first order if you use the code CITIZEN. And I think the best use of that, the best possible use, is the coffee club because you're going to get the most value. Not only are you going to get premium coffee delivered every month, but it's super flexible. You get to choose your favorite roast, whether you like light, dark, or medium, or one of the in-betweens. You're going to get to choose the grind, whether you like whole bean coffee, which I recommend, or or, uh, ground coffee, or if you're in an office and you use Keurigs, uh, they have coffee rounds. And you get to choose your delivery schedule for any time you like, seven days all the way out, I believe, to 60 but the value doesn't stop there. Members get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts that you will find on the member page uh, once you make an account. So you're getting a lot of stuff here. You're getting the free shipping. The coffee cost comes down. You're also not having to worry about it, and you're getting exactly what you want every month. So go to BlackRivalCoffee.com, join the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN, and get 20% off your first order. Man, I really enjoy working with companies. Like, I don't have to bullshit. I don't have to make anything up for these guys. I mean, I know them. I, the, the companies that we work with, we just know these guys. I used to work at Black Rifle, Ghostbed, we've known for six years. Um, companies like Fume that we work with, uh, I know those guys personally. It's just, it's really nice, to be honest, not to have to fucking bullshit. And Ghostbed is one of those companies as well that just give back to the community at every possible opportunity. Right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code DRINKITBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKITBROS. With their zero down, 0% financing plan that, by the way, extends up to 60 months and also, by the way, works with the discount deals that you that I just mentioned, uh, you can get a mattress, you can get an entire bedroom suite for like, somewhere between 25 and 45 bucks a month and pay for it 
with a 40% discount over the course of five years. You're never going to find another deal like this. So go check it out right now. Ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Exactly, bro. Like, it, it, it was, I was sort of talking to a couple of friends last night, like last night, one from Guatemala, one from El Salvador, and, you know, talking about the differences that we had growing up. And, you know, when I grew up, I thought, oh, the town that I come from is a tough town. Not me personally, because I've always, um, I've never wanted for nothing. I've always had parents who took care of me. And you have, you know, experience as a Brit then going to Iraq a few times or doing stuff with the military, which is all, you know, difficult stuff. There's no doubt about it. But then, you know, you think you have an idea of, of what's tough. And then you learn about Mexico, you learn about Guatemala and all these places. And, and you're just like, like, dude, recently I've been working on something about, um, you know, Kabul and the interviews you're doing. You're just like, oh, Jesus, there's no limit to how hard people's lives can be. But by the same token, there's absolutely no limit to their capacity to overcome it which is what's so incredible. But mm. yeah, you're totally right, bro. Like, yeah, there's, like, there's nothing, nothing except a basic, unre- like, because you can talk all you, all you like about laws, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they're, they're all kind of codified or whatever. Mm. But there's what stops you and I not hitting each other when we walk down the streets is just an agreement that we decide to make as human beings. Mm. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess that's the challenge uh, to, in spite of being constantly inundated with bad news about bad people, to not not just about bad actors, generally speaking, but also from the safety nets that we provide through our security and, and you know, I guess you could say taxes and all this other shit um, and, and charity work and things like that. To, to not become cynical because there are assholes out there trying to take advantage of stuff or that there are bad yeah. actors in general. Um, and then the cha- the other challenge is to, you know, become the helper that that should be your goal in life. I think is, is to, is to one constantly improve yourself and two leverage every asset and skill and ability and position you have towards helping other people. Cause it's going to, that a rising tide does indeed lift all boats. Um, <clears throat> so you don't necessarily, like you said before, you don't have to do huge things all the time. You don't have to spend all your time and money, uh, giving to charity or work 24 hours a day without a break or any of that shit. It really can be as simple as walking past a stranger who just drops something and pick it up for him and hand it to him. You know what I mean? Like you get, people carry a lot of weight on a day-to-day basis and you never know what's going to be the final straw. And if you can take a little bit of that weight off of them, then, you know, we all do a little bit better when that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. And the the other one on that is you mentioned the government thing. I've been really, really critical of government like the last few years. And I think a lot of it is really justified Mm -hmm. because the fact is you have got wars, you know, that shouldn't have been fought, which came at kept terrible cost to innocent people. But at the same time, I'm like, well, okay, that's fine to criticize that, but what are you doing? Like, are you actually going out every day protesting anything about it? Mm. Are you are you actually talking to anyone who's from those countries? Are you, you know, are you trying to, you know, trying to do anything to actually change the situation or moan about it? And I, I think that's something I really kind of realized the last six months is just like, you know, fuck. Like, it's all well and good. Like, it's, it's, it's almost like watching a shitty sports team. You know, and you're the coach in the stands going, I do this different, I do that. Why did you run that play? Well, if you wanted to be in that position to make that happen, you need to get involved in the game somehow right. or start your own game or something. Um but I, I think I think that's something that like um, that's one of the reasons I love this podcast, bro, because it's actually something that's giving people um, tools to do something about it, rather than just you know slamming the same stories again and again and again. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's you know that that's that was that's the reason I started in the first place, to be honest, because all I saw was you, you know I saw not not that people were wrong to be critical and shit, but all I saw were people bitching about things and and you know they would they would provide solutions that sound a lot like, well, we've got to do something or uh, we need a new, uh, we need new people in government or this or that. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, cool, man. That's, that's fine. That's a good collective goal, but what can people do per, cause that's what everybody always asks. What can I do to make this better? Yeah. Um, and I don't think telling people just to vote or get involved in electoral politics is the answer to that. You know, I mean, the general premise of this show is that you can either be, a citizen or a subject, right? You can be a citizen who does both. You, you, you exercise your rights, but you also perform mm -hmm. the task of res responsibility required of you, you know what I mean? To secure those rights. Yeah. Or you can just whine about your rights and you can become a subject of a patrician class, which is what's happened in this country and what's happened in your country and a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. Canada is probably the worst to be honest, but of all, of all yeah. the Western countries, but, um, that that's that's the choice, right? Yeah, sure. And look, if more people in the middle um, change themselves into kind of citizens with higher morals, higher standards, etc., the um, people who are wanting their votes would have to change themselves mm -hmm. because if the vote it's only because the voter base allow it, like you say, so. I, I do think, though, that um, I, I don't know if we've gone past the point where people are like they 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 believe in this the idea so much that the government give rather than you know like like this it's almost like a child has been brought up with their parents their whole life they can't think of a, another life without their parents. Mm. So it's very hard to convince somebody to be like, no, no, actually, these aren't the people who should be bailing you out. These aren't the people who you should be relying on for your food. They're not people you should be relying on for, for really anything but things like defense. Um, and I don't, I don't know once it's ingrained how you change a, a national mentality to stop people thinking of... Um, the government as a, a parent. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I, I don't, I don't particular. I don't think it particularly matters if we're beyond that point or not. For I mean, it, it matters, but in this case, um, if you're heeding the advice of this show, because uh, even if doing citizenship, being a, a legit citizen and exercising your rights and responsibilities. Uh, even if it won't reverse the course that we're currently on, we're still going to have to have these values and exercise them regardless, right? Even if society crumbles and we lose all this shit, we're still going to have to stand on those principles and that effort to rebuild it. You know what I mean? So I think it's good. It's a good practice to do it. And you, you know, you got to do two things at once. You also have to fight. You have to resist, you know, and I, I think that, Frankly, I think that's part of being a citizen. It's certainly in America, it's it's the foundation of our government that um, not only do you have <clears throat> the right to throw off an oppressive government, you have the responsibility to do that. You know what I mean? Um, for yourself and for your you know your ancestors and shit. Um, yeah. And it's there's there's really no way around it. I mean, you can either do this stuff or you know you're you're going to be you're going to be fucked. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's something as well that we don't like. A lot of us realize how um, how much of an anomaly it is that that isn't the case for most of the like our Western world, especially now. You know, like national service in the UK. I think it ran in the sixties, maybe or something. You guys obviously had the draft for Vietnam. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not talking about a long time ago where citizens were, you know, required to do a period of military service for their countries um I, I think that creates problems as well because in a lot of 
poorer countries, you'll just throw everybody into the army just to keep them out of trouble. But then, you know, if you have a, if you have a big army, you usually end up using people wanting to use it. Um, and then, like as we see time again, if you have a powerful army, quite often that gives you the destabilization in in countries like us, continents like Africa, South mm-hmm. America, where you know there's one coup after another. But I, I, I don't know how you go about these days. I don't know if I, I like the idea of a draft because obviously we've seen, oh, I, I think you agree with me, mm-hmm. that the last uh, wars recently were not just wars and therefore I would not want people to be forced into serving in those wars. Um, all that being said, were the two years of service done a lot of good for a lot of people You know, in terms of teaching them um, you know, teach them about themselves, things they wouldn't have learned about themselves if they haven't left their local area. So the, I think the, the, the reason like citizen soldiery works so well for, say, the Greeks is because that was your farmland. Mm. And then you've got your shield, you know, you've got your helmet, you've got your fucking spear. And when you're about to be invaded, you grab your shit, you meet up with all the other fucking farmers in the area, all the landowners, and you get together and you know that if you don't win that battle, all that food that's going to feed your family is going to get burnt or taken away and your family's going to starve. And you've lost everything that people have built for. So they had something that was so real and kind of touchable that they could access. Um, whereas now I don't, I don't think people have that now. Well, yeah, I mean, so the idea, uh, it's easy to get people to fight uh, in their own defense, right? So so governments have uh, historically tried to convince the population, at least the military-age fighting male population, that we have to proactively defend ourselves against this or that, right? And those are wars of invasion or conquest or whatever. Um, it's happened quite a bit, you know, throughout human history. It's not unique to now or to us, you know, it's, it's kind of always been that way. And, and, you know, I think you're a point you made a minute ago about if you, uh, if we adjust our expectations and tolerance of people in government, then they have to eventually come back around, you know, to what, we want them to do because otherwise they won't get elected. Um, now that's a, that's a slow moving ship. You know what I mean? Right. So, and, and if, if, if it's even possible, yeah, we'll see. And, and it's, you know, it's, uh, with our system of government where we have a change of power every couple of years, it's notoriously difficult to get anything long term done. You know what I mean? Uh, there's something to be said for, is that is that picking up the sort of uh, ice machine? A little, yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's it. There's something to be said for um, you know governments that persist for a long time because they're able to get things done. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it is that is what it is. So I want to talk about uh, this next next principle, number seven. Um, and it says, "I will promote equality of opportunity, not outcome, particularly when I'm in a position." of power and wealth. Um, and my, the, the subtext for that is, um, America is only America if it's America for every American. And I would say this, you could, you could substitute Liberty for that word. Liberty only exists if it, if it exists for everybody. Otherwise it's just another form of oppression with less people being oppressed. Right. So, uh, tell me why that one jumped off the page. Well, because I, I think that the same with a, a business, same with any kind of team. Well, well, for one, it's a few reasons. One, I think just practically speaking, I think it makes sense to, it, it would be stupid to limit. Um, it, it, it would be stupid to limit just the people who are in your circle to opportunities, advancements, et cetera, et cetera. I just, you know, so from the point of view of a country, you know, I, I believe um, very strongly that people should be able to move from place to place if you can earn a place there. But I think it's just, it's, it's a simple one for me, Bobby. I just feel like 
as it it was weird to me growing up, growing up. I grew in a very non-diverse town, um, which you know I'm, I would never say it was like you know we're not talking like uh, what you might have had in say some southern towns in mm. the states with confed. You know, we're not talking that, but just you never knew people from other backgrounds, other cultures, um, even a lot of other British cultures. You just knew nothing about them. And like, you know, as you get kind of, as you get going then through, luckily the military gives you a chance to travel, but it also dehumanizes people in other countries too, because you have to, because you can't fight if you Mm -hmm. can't, you can't kill if you can't dehumanize. Right. Uh, and and that rubs off on the locals too. So even though you you'd be good good to the locals, you, you they're still they're the locals and we're us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, like having been traveling as a as a civilian now, I've never been to a country that didn't meet someone that I don't like, you know. And I've never met somebody um, like I, there's nothing that makes me think that not everyone is capable of good or evil um and i so i just think that for like as everyone benefits by getting the same um the same opportunities you know so if that's liberty then that's liberty if that's like the you know the the right to um i i i mean it gets murky waters when you start talking about rights for clean waters mm. and stuff like that but i mean people should have a right to live definitely without violence i mean that should be something that sh- we could we could give to everyone but um yeah i just i i don't think you can have um because the idea of freedom is basically you know not imposing violence in order to get to get a um a goal right or an end state so so long as one person somewhere is having their decisions enforced on them by force then actual liberty itself it doesn't it doesn't exist mm. that makes sense yeah for sure yeah it's um <clears throat> but the implication is pretty obvious there right it's um if if indeed people have a natural right to live without being compelled by violence to act against their own wishes then somebody has to be ready to do violence on their behalf at all times yeah. right? and it can't just be Mm-hmm. the military because the state can't have uh, a, a monopoly on violence Th- that's how dictatorships form you know what i mean so and it's probably better that it's not the military because if you get the military you get this organization like the military is a very weird thing because it's this organization that has so much money thrown at it and realistically the wish should be that it never gets used mm. Because that means that people are, you know, people are going to die, and that diplomacy's failed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so the idea that a country—we're all human, we all give into temptations, we all want to, we all want to play with our little train sets. So the idea that we w- would have this power and not use it um, is, I, th- I think, very dangerous. Whereas, if people are responsible for defending themselves. That's and that's somebody that then would have to be going out of their way above and beyond to do this thing, which is not their that it's not their entire reason for being, which is what the military is. You know, people join, go their entire lives through it, especially the, the um, you know to the general rank. They are in that whole system, their lives. Um, so I, I I agree with you. I, I think people need to look at themselves as their own defenders. Mm definitely their family defenders um but also to it's it, okay i'll give you ask, let me ask you this where do you draw that line though between like okay i'll go and help my neighbor on the other side of the town or what are you, what if your neighbor is 30 miles away in canada and they need help like mm. because at that point there then it becomes about votes or whatever you know so there's some kind of government element comes into it there so sure. where where is it for you? Where is that line? Well, you know, I think it's uh, th- this is the whole point of federalism is is the understanding that human beings operate best in small groups. You know what I mean? 
like we can have confederations of a bunch of small groups that form some larger group, but um, the, 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 the purpose of federalism is, I think, an understanding of how human beings and how human civilization evolved. Like not everybody's going to be able to defend themselves, but not everybody's going to be an engineer or a doctor either. You know what I mean? There's roles mm-hmm. in society and people, we need everybody to be in the best possible role for them for a number of reasons. One, because it's more effective. And two, uh, uh, because it's necessary. And three, because if, if our doctors and lawyers and, uh, uh, and engineers are spending most of their time just trying to defend themselves, then they're not doing their actual job. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's the same thing you, you see in startups where mm-hmm. it's a really small skeleton crew and everybody's malassigned doing shit outside of their field of expertise. And eventually it starts, there's a diminishing return. It starts taking away from mm-hmm. what made the company great in the first place. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's kind of, sorry, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like almost you want the culture where you want these people who are trained are, are the best, the best that any that, that they can come up against. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to hold their own against. But the culture that you and I certainly had in our militaries growing up was the culture was you want to go to war, you mm-hmm. want to fight, you want to do that. And I don't see if it, I don't think it's impossible to change that culture by selecting the right people, and especially in a smaller organizations. Um, maybe more uh, mature people in them rather than recruiting 17-year-old uh, guys who, like, let's be honest, most 17-year-old guys are fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, like, you're not going to be able to, you know, it's a very hard time convincing him that the best thing f- that can happen to you is that you don't go to war. <laughs> I never would have believed it. You never would have believed no, it. Nobody okay. listening would have believed that. Yeah, we we never would have... Uh we wouldn't have joined in the first place probably to be honest, but you know, it's, it's interesting because, um, every patrol we went on, every operation we went on, wasn't necessarily kinetic. Like we weren't always going in guns blazing. We did a lot of other stuff too. We fucking talked to people. We helped them build shit. We helped them clean shit. Um, so that, that mindset where you are, you see yourself ultimately as a protector and as a protector, you're helping people with basic functions and, uh, you know, in, in a lot of cases, training them to better protect themselves and things like that. That is something that, you know, during the Vietnam era, um, it's not like this anymore in the U.S. military, but particularly in the, in the Army, um, guys would come back from combat deployments and immediately go to basic training to be, be basic training instructors, to be drill instructors, right? Because they were the people who were just there, so they have the most up-to-date information on what it's like and how to fucking best prepare for it. What I don't understand is why, why we sent, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to war in austere environments and didn't bring them back and immediately try to glean all the lessons that they learned, not just about combat, but about leadership, about how to, how to, you know, take care of yourself and all this stuff. It seems like it was a, it was a wasted opportunity, in my opinion, to to not, uh, you know, basically just ring out all the fucking information and 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 purpose that came out of that situation. Even though the wars were kind of well, they were certainly pointless and unnecessary, but also pretty destructive. There's a lot of good stuff that we could have gotten out of that. We we decided not to, and I think it's because the people in positions to make that happen didn't want to draw too much attention to it frankly i i think you're right um like i think if you'd have like even if you look at the first few months of afghanistan which were like really successful you know loads of bad guys killed operations done even in those first few months there was a lot of civilians killed mm-hmm. in airstrikes so you know I, I i don't want to give the exact number out here but all I'll say is it wasn't as long until as many civilians had died in Afghanistan as had died in 9-11. We're talking within months. And, you know, that should be a national conversation. Then It's like, okay, well, we have to go and do something, but is it right for us to continue, you know, kind of down this path? And mm. when you, it, it, this blew my mind last year, bro. In, in one sense, it blew my mind, and in the other, it didn't, because it's exactly what I was kind of expecting. 
But how do you go through something for 20 years, invest hundreds of thousands of lives, you know, affect America, affect the entire world, and not go right? Now we're going to pull this thing apart and do exactly what you're saying. And we're going to find all the good bits, the bad bits. Um, you know, it's, it, it, we learned a lot in the wars, the Second mm. World War. Like, we didn't fight the First World War. Like, so, sorry, we didn't fight the Second World War like the First World War. Right. Right? We didn't fight Vietnam like the Second World War. Mm. But with this one, it just seems to be that there's absolutely, and, uh, and people listening, I don't, I'm not saying like small kind of doctrine changes and mm. things, but the kind of the strategic way of doing things. Um, you know, and, and then when with that as well as accountability, you know, used to be in, in the Second World War, you lose a couple of battles, right? You're out, next general, mm. you're in. With this one, we just seem to have guys on rotation. And unless you sent your dick picture to, uh, was it Petraeus? You know, yeah. you were in. Um, so there was so much I, I felt like not only did we not learn from this, but we seem to have thrown a lot out of stuff that we'd learned. Like, has there ever been in what, like, say, the hundred years of the First World War to the, um, like, War on Terror, mm. has there ever been a period with such diverse warfare with many of the same elements in each one? There were planes in first, you know, over the First World War, there was, you know, um, infantry, but used very differently. Mm. But we only got to that point because we'd learned from all those others. Sure, yeah. And we're not we're not deconstructing that and bringing it back here because, you know, the the idea of I, I think the principal idea is that war ultimately is the is is a meritocracy, right? You either win or you die. It's it is the right. it's actually the ultimate form of meritocracy. And it's also a meritocracy where uh, you know, everybody in the game understands that they can't succeed without the dudes on their left and right. You know what I mean? That that's, that's kind of the core principle of the whole thing. Like people, politics kind of goes out the window. Even the, the, when things get really bad, even the operation itself could go out the window and it's all about keeping the people on your left and right safe. I think, I think that brings us back to this principle of promoting equality of opportunity. Uh, especially if you're in a position of power, well, it's like, uh, Everybody needs that assistance, and it, it, it what the yeah. ma- the main thing aside from just like survival skills and defense and shit like that that we should have brought back and taught the people of America is that you can't do this shit alone. You know what I mean? That we we need a culture that is that's rooted in principles and rooted in the idea that we're all going to be here and help each other, right? Even if we have fights or whatever the fuck we still circle back at some point, be like, all right, cool. We're done fighting. Uh, let's get back on track right now. We've just been in like a 25 year fight with, with each other. Yeah. And, and there's, there's no end in sight and it's not really helpful. Yeah. I mean, like where, what could you show? Like what, imagine what other massive efforts you could, if you put all that resources, all those people towards all these different nations, like, what could be achieved for that same amount of effort? Mm. I mean, who knows? But all I know is we could put all that in and really achieve nothing out of it. Um, but no, you're right, mate. I think going away to those places, that certainly has made me, seeing how unlevel the playing field is around the world, um, it doesn't, like, look, fuck, dude, am I going to, stop buying um am i going to live in a tiny apartment because i'd rather give that money to other charities i'm not going to do it i'm selfish you know there's that you know that's just the truth like most of us in the west we could all invite several families into our houses Mm. and bring in a load of refugees we could do it we don't so there's that extreme of the equal opportunity um, but I think a legal opportunity as well is, you know, could be just that you will try and put aside your kind of prejudice when you meet someone. Like we've all done this leaving the military. Oh, he's, he was never in the army. What a mm. fucking pussy. What does he know? He <laughs> yeah. doesn't get me, you know? So even that, I got your, but by taking that out, you're giving that person an equal opportunity in just 
make you an introduction. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I suppose it's just a, uh, another form of tribalism. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. We, we put a lot of weight on experience and stuff like that. Well, it looks like uh, my guy had a little bit of technical difficulty, so we're going to wrap this up. I'll just recap the show from today because I think it was a really good one, and I really appreciate uh, Durant coming on the show. <clears throat> um, once again, he's he, he decided to talk about doing something every day to help the country, his countrymen or all men. Um, <clears throat> it's... It, it truly is a combination of those things. So um, making the conscious decision to put other people before yourself, it, it's not just for the sake of altruism. The purpose of that is that as a community-based people, which is what human beings are, you're going to find that the most important things you ever do are in the service of other people. You know, as, you know, we mentioned earlier with the Gandhi quote that uh, if you truly want to find yourself, lose yourself in the service of others. <clears throat> it isn't just a platitude. That's how whatever purpose muscle in your brain or, or whatever, whatever we're talking about here, whatever that is, you know, it's it's fed by and, and even satisfied by helping other people, doing things that help society, doing things that help other people that need help and there's <clears throat> it's not just about the platitude it's not just about being altruistic it's not even just about living up to an ethical code it's literally the best thing you can do both for yourself and for everybody else and you know that's why I'm very critical of this whole self-care movement uh, I, I get it from the perspective of the worker who's you know ground themselves down into dust working for a corporation or whatever that doesn't give a shit about them. I, I understand it from the point of view of a soldier, as I've been, you know, fighting and bleeding for, you know, uh, not so noble causes and for a country that doesn't seem, at least from the government side, to give a fuck about us. But <clears throat> I understand how you might become cynical about those sorts of things. But we can't allow ourselves to become cynical because this pendulum swing back in the direction of selfishness and me, me, me and, and, and you know, uh, self care and patting yourself on the back all the time. Not only is it super cringe and a little pathetic, but it's also a maladaptive trait. That's not how human beings are supposed to be. So you're not going to be happy when you do that. Uh, and then of course he moved on to <sighs> promoting equality of opportunity uh, because, you know, it's very it's a very obvious thing. Liberty at its core only exists if it exists for everyone. America is only America. If it's America for every American. And we have the right to live without violence. We have a right to not live under the authority of a state that has a monopoly on violence as well. And... As such, people who are, you know, physically fit, mentally fit, whatever, who have the ability to protect other people or build infrastructure that helps other people or educate other people or, or, or become, you know, uh, physicians or whatever it is, like you have that potential skill set. You have a responsibility to do it for your country and for your fellow man. It's simply the, the least you could do to exercise what you've been given and to make the most of yourself. Because as I say <clears throat> very frequently, when we all do better, we all do better. And we didn't get to 11. I'll live a life worth dying for, but I, you know, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about that. And I, I think everybody kind of knows, kind of knows what that means in, in a couple of different ways. I mean, we talk about, um, you know, we, we've addressed it in a couple of different ways. So one was make sure you're living up to the level of the sacrifice that's been made for you. Um, contemplate your current situation and the decisions you're making and, and imagine yourself on your deathbed. Would I still make these decisions if 
you know, I was looking back in time and judging how well I used my time. I think that's a really important thing. And not only is it going to center you on your purpose, right? Which is, you know, again, why, why we're all here. But it's also going to keep your mind active. You know, it's really important to challenge your own assumptions. It's really important to look around from time to time and, you know, it, it, it question, is this where I'm supposed to be? And if not, how do I get to where I'm supposed to be? And if you look around in America right now, it's plainly obvious that we as a country are not where we're supposed to be. We have to do something about this, right? I say we, not someone. Let's not use the uh, impersonal pronouns like that, like someone's got to do something. Well, you're somebody. So do something. Uh, appreciate uh, Drink coming on the show today. Hope he's having fun in Vegas. Um, once again, you can find him, Durant Jones, anywhere on, uh, it's G-E-R-A-I-N-T. Anywhere on social media, you can find him. Uh, he's got some books out. Um, also, check out his podcast, Veterans State of Mind. Uh, it's, a, it's a good one. I was on it uh, recently. I don't know when it's going to be published, but it'll come out pretty soon. I appreciate you coming on the show, and I appreciate you all listening. This has been Citizen. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.